But the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. If he's coming after you, you better be ready to push him out of your way so you can win your race. My God, thank you, Jesus. Something is going to stand in your way. Something is going to try to prevent you from fulfilling the calling that God has on your life. Don't lie to me and tell me you don't have a dream. There is something inside of you that God has called you to. It is remarkable, and you're still thinking it'll never happen for me. Push it out of your way and run your race. This is your moment. Experience God's love and God's peace with us. See what God is doing for your neighbors at Crosspoint. Be blessed with today's broadcast. I want to talk to you this morning about the beauty of purpose and the pain of process. And most of you hear that title and you're already going, yep. The beauty of purpose, purpose is incredible, love the purpose, but the pain of process is horrible. God has a beautiful purpose. He, he had a plan for humanity before he ever created Adam, before he ever put anybody on this planet. The Bible tells us that he had a plan. Isaiah 46 says, I am God, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, Things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all of my purpose. So God says, I'm God. There is no other God. There was nobody before me. There will be nobody after me. I got a plan, and it will come to pass, and the enemy will not stand in my way. Then he says in Revelation 13, 8, he says, the Lamb, the Lamb of God, was slain from the foundation of the world. So before history began, God says, I got a purpose, and I got a salvation purpose. So we already know that before he ever created earth, he had already created this plan of redemption, this plan of salvation through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Yeshua Messiah, uh, the Son of God Almighty. It was Jesus Christ, and that was the plan. Then in Psalm 139, 16, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book was written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So now we know God had an eternal plan. Then God says, I have a redemption plan through Jesus Christ. Then he tells us the Jesus Christ that came and said, I will establish my church. He said, I'm going to use you to build the church to fulfill my eternal plan. So you and I get to be a part of that plan. Jeremiah 33.3, an amazing scripture, he says, Call on me and I will answer. I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. That word mighty, it's the same word they use when they talk about the wall on the outside of a city. Sometimes those walls would be 20 feet deep. 
So it was a fortress. It would keep you, keep you from knowing what's going on inside. And God said, there is a mighty thing. There is a walled secret that you don't know, but there's coming a day when I'm going to expose that secret. There's coming a day when I'm going to let some of you who call upon me, I'm going to let you know this mighty thing that's going on. And I'm telling you, as God is my witness, I believe that we are living in the time of the fulfillment of this scripture. I believe God is revealing some secrets to some of you out here. My wife prophesies it every Sunday morning, but some of you are sitting on some secrets, and you don't even know it's a secret. You've been told some things that nobody else knows, and you just assume it's just common knowledge, but it is not. It's a mighty thing that God is telling you. Hey, God's going to empower those who are willing to, willing to follow Jesus through the good times and the bad, to pay the price through the beauty of purpose and the pain of process. I do not believe that God has given me something special. Young people, as God is my judge, I tell you what I really believe. God has not given to me one thing that he'll not give to any one of you young people in this place if you pay the price. I'm not special to him. There is a one thing that he's done for me that he'll not do for you. There isn't a young man, there isn't a young woman this is me this morning. But what God will use you in exactly the same way, He'll give to you absolutely everything that He's given to me. You're paying the price. Catherine Coleman. Some of you know who she was. I tell you, whew, some of you may not know. Catherine was an anointed woman of God. And you know, the story goes that when Catherine flew on an airplane, I think my wife brought this up once before from here or somewhere, when she would fly, she would walk through the airport and people would fall out and they thought she was doing something. Well, they've come to find out they knew what it was. It was this was an anointed woman of God, and they had to take her in through the airport secretly. They had, they had to bring her in through the back way because the anointing on her was so incredible. What she is trying to say here is I'm not any more special than any of you sitting out here. I was just willing to pay the price. There's a process that is painful, but at the end of it, it is a purpose that is beautiful. Woo! I'll tell you, I watched that this morning. It didn't bother me. I watch it now, and I'll tell you, I feel the anointing. Oh, glory to God. I got to shift gears here. I got to shift gears here. I need a volunteer, somebody young. I need a teenager. Woo. Well, give me a young adult then. You're not going to be embarrassed. I won't embarrass you. Hello, let me jump. There we go. Come on up here. All right, now. 
at the talk. I got good news for you. All right? So here's the thing. God is changing. Bear with me. None of this is true. Illustration. Okay? Don't curse me. God is changing the way that he is going to be dealing with people. He has decided, he told me this in a dream, that he's going to tell people up front their purpose, all the good stuff. He's going to tell everybody up front. And he wants me to be the delegate. I get to be the one to tell you. So this is really good. I'm going to write right here. This is really good. This is, this is your life. Okay, this is what God says. Are you ready? Here it comes. Let me get my notes from God here. He says, oh, this is going to be good. Isaac. He says, you're going to be a world... Can y'all see that? Let me turn that a little bit. You're going to be a world leader. So far, so good. He says he's going to give you great, great favor. Who wants the favor of God? Great favor. He says he's going to give you the gift of of dreams, but not only dreams, he's going to tell you that you are, he's going to give you the dream of interpretation. So you'll not only have, have dreams from the throne room of God, but you'll be able to interpret other people's dreams. Now, he says he's going to put you second in charge of the nation. Man, it's getting better. You got this is good. You got to get Oh, he's going to give you a huge mansion. Oh. He's going to give me the gift of spelling. He's going to make you healthy. You're going to be wealthy. Wow. All right. And oh, you're gonna be you're gonna you're gonna have great power. You're gonna be beloved. Everybody, everybody's gonna love you. Everybody's gonna love you. Man, this is good. All right. He says that people are gonna bow to you. Now you got brothers, right? One brother? You got two brothers, you got any sisters? He says both your brothers are gonna bow to you. Are they older than you? Well, your older one, he's going to bow to you. That's what he says. And your brother's not going to like it, by the way. But he's going to bow down to you. What's his name? I'll call him and tell him later. <laughs> he says, now this is pretty cool. He says, you're going to live to be 110 years old. Not bad. Not bad, right? And when you die... You're going to die healthy, you're going to die wealthy, happy, you're going to die complete. It's going to be remarkable. You're going to have a big family. It's going to be really good. You're going to have a legacy. Everybody's going to know who you are. Everybody give them a hand clap if you're ready. Oh, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. There's a message. There's a little note here. Let me see. I almost missed it. Hold on. There's more. Mm. Hold on just a second here, Isaac. God's showing me something else. This is pretty good, though, right? It's probably more good stuff. Probably more good stuff. says here, 
uh, that, oh, actually it says pretty soon you're going to go through some hardships. Oof. How old are you? 24. So you're 24. All right. So very soon it says you're, you're going to go through some hardships. He says you're going to go on a trip. Your dad is going to send you to find your brother. He's off somewhere. Nobody knows where he's at. He's blowing money left and right. He needs you to go check on your brothers because they're crazy. They're going crazy. But what you don't know is when you get there, turns out they hate you. Now, I know all that looked good, but before all that, it looks like real soon you're going on a trip. You're going to find your family. They're going to hate you. And Isaac, are you ready? They're going to steal your clothes. And they're going to throw you in a pit because you're going to find them out in the desert somewhere. They're going to throw you down a deep pit. You're going to be begging them, don't do this, guys. What? We're family. You're my brothers. Get me out of this. Please get me out of here. They're not going to listen because they have an intention of killing you. That's what they want to do. And they're going to tell your parents that you're dead. And they're going to take those clothes and, and mix them with some animal's blood and send them back to your mom and dad. So they're not going to come looking for you. Nobody's going to come looking for you because they're just going to tell them a wild animal ate you and there was nothing left but the clothes. Then they're going to sell you to human traffickers. Then the good news is when you are walking, chained up, stark naked, in a whole line of slaves, there's going to be a captain of an army, and he's going to buy you. He wants you to work in his house. Take care of his house. Comes to find out, you're pretty good at it. So he puts you in charge of the house. Unfortunately, his wife kind of takes an eye to you. And she falsely accuses you. Now, you had it pretty good in the, in the captain's house. You was eating good, had clothes. All those other slaves are out working. It's they're all day, all night, and you've got it pretty good. Now you've got this crazy woman who's going to falsely accuse you and this captain, he, he really don't believe her because if he believed her, he'd have your head that day. So he sends you to prison, the worst prison in the land. That saves space for him, but he likes you. He don't want you dead. But you're in prison nonetheless. And these prisons, they're also in the hole in the ground. There's no way of you getting out of this prison. It's the worst you can imagine. And you're going to be there for about 10 years. And there's going to be a guy in there who used to work for the king. And he's going, to, he's going to find out you can interpret dreams, and you're going to interpret his dream. And he's going to promise when he gets out, he's going to get you out. But he don't. For another two years, you're in there. For a total, finally, of 13 years, If you don't quit, 13 years, this all starts pretty soon. 
you're, you're going on this trip. People that hate you, they're going to steal from you. They're going to throw you in a pit. You're going to be cut up, bleeding, begging. Your parents who love you, they're going to think you're dead. They're going to sell you to, to slave traders. And then you're going to get falsely accused, and you're going to the worst prison around. Thirteen years of torment. If you stick to your integrity, God says all the first stuff will be yours. But you got to go through this first. Thank you. So, the Bible says in Genesis, chapter 37, that Joseph had a dream. Most of us in here should know this story, and I won't have time to go through all of this. But Joseph was the son of Jacob. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God had decided there was so much evil that he was just going to create his own family. This family would start through the lineage of Abraham. Abraham would be the father of his beloved people. Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had uh, Jacob. Jacob was a character, and we won't get into his life, but Jacob was a swindler. Jacob lived a pretty rough life until his older days, but he had ten sons that was already grown by the time Joseph was born. Now, Jacob was married to two women, and he also had two other surrogates, but the only one he really loved was Rachel. Out of these four women who had given him ten kids, he only loved Rachel, was mad about Rachel, loved her, but Rachel couldn't give him any children. And finally, it says, in his old age, that he had Joseph. And it says that he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons were already in trouble. I mean, can you imagine? Somebody's writing something. Wonder how that was displayed when it says he loved him more than... Any of his other kids, you got more than one kid in here, you show your love for that one kid more than you, you do the other ones, there's going to be some issues. Because he was the son of his old age, and it made him a robe of many colors. And I taught about that robe a few months ago and the significance of the robe and the type of robe that it was. It wasn't necessarily what we've seen where it's got these big stripes of colors. More than likely, it was just a, a, a nice robe but it had threads of colors through the ends. And this robe signified if you wore this type of robe, you wasn't going to do any manual labor. Now, here's these older sons. These sons, they're grown, they got kids, they're married, and they work hard every day, sun up to sun down. They're tending to the herds, they're tending to the crops. These are hardworking men. And this little runt comes along who's the youngest of their dad, and he gets treated with, like, royalty. Doesn't have to do anything. Doesn't have to hit a lick at a snake. I don't know what that means, but we like saying that around here. Doesn't hit a lick at a snake. <clears throat> anyway. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, they can't stand him. Because he starts telling them, I've had this dream. And you're not going to believe this, boys. But all y'all... You're going to be bowing down. And can you imagine? You're 15, 16, 17 years old. 
and you're sitting at the table, and all your brothers are older. You know, Mylon is uh, nine years old. His oldest brother is 27 or 28 years old. Don't tell him I didn't know. It was one or the other. It can, but it's kind of that situation. There's a huge difference in their age. Now, I can imagine sitting down at the table and Mylon looking at Brandon going, hey, you know what God told me? A day's coming, and you're going to get on your knees and bow before me, and I'm going to be a great prince over you. And Brandon will be just, I can see him now laughing. Whatever, punk, move on. You know, roll on out of here, boy. But that's what's happening here. But he was very arrogant, very prideful. And I don't want to get into that because there's a whole message there about how he conducted himself and how pride comes before a fall. But they drove, uh, Joseph drove them to hate it says in Genesis 37, verse 4, it says, When his brothers saw their father loved him more than all the brothers, it says they hated him. And the, the rest of verse 5, when I said Joseph had a dream, it says when he told it to his brothers, they hated him. Verse 8, so they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Verse 11, they, the brothers were jealous of him. Joseph had been given this dream that there would come a time when there was going to be a great famine and people were going to die. The crops, were the, the land is going to die. Seven years, no water. You know that's going to be bad. But he tells them through this horrific time, he says, boys, y'all will bow down to me. I'm going to be put in charge of everything. And it drove them to hate. Joseph is given this dream of seven years of terrible times, and Joseph has never lived a terrible day in his life. I mean, how is he going to be able to conduct himself, to lead? How is he going to be able to have the ideas to overcome tragedy when he's never gotten a scratch on a finger? He has no idea what his brothers have to go through, no idea what Jacob had to go through, no idea what you and I have to go through. He just knew he was highly favored, not only by God, he was favored by his dad. But 1 Peter 1, 6 says, For a little while you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God said your dream, your vision, your purpose has to be tested. It has to be proven. It has to go through the fire so that in the midst of your trauma, you can still be the one that gives God the praise. Or you can be the one that starts over. It starts over because Joseph went 13 years of hell on earth, 13 years of living the favored kid, and suddenly he's a slave. 13 years. But what would have happened if somewhere along the way, if he hadn't maintained his integrity? What would have happened if he said yes to the captain's wife? He might not have known about it. What would have happened if he had gotten out and gotten a sword and somehow managed to fight his way and kill the brothers? What would have happened had he not kept his character? I think somewhere along the way, he would have had to backtrack a little bit. And God would have to teach another lesson. 
And maybe it wouldn't have been 13 years. Maybe it would have been 20 years. Maybe it would have been 40 years. You feel like you've been going around the same tree for 40 years sometime? Could it be somewhere along the way you stopped saying yes to God? And you, stopped look, you started looking at yourself and saying, you know what, I'm going to get my way out of this. Or maybe somewhere along the way God blessed you just a little bit and you said, this will do. This is, this is good enough for me. I just wonder if Joseph would have known up front, if, if God would have told him, you got to go through all this. I wonder if Joseph would have said, you know what, I'm good. Take over my dad's business. You know, I have money. I still got my coat. I can get married. I can live in the land. I, I'm good. I, I'll just, I'll be good enough. This is fine for me. Of course, after 13 years, there was going to be seven years of an abundance in the land. Joseph would have been fine. 20 years from that moment. He'd have been great, only what happened after that seven years of abundance? Seven years, the land was destroyed. And he and his family most likely would have died. Most of the people in that region would have died. God was building a leader through the lineage of Abraham, which is the lineage of Jesus Christ. He was preparing the way. Judah is the lineage of Christ. And Joseph is his younger brother. If he had not continued his character, if he had not maintained his affection for God, Judah would have died. And the lineage would have been lost. It would have been, it would have been broken. Jesus said in John 15, he says, If the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hates you. You're going to face people that, that, that the enemy is going to use to persecute you. Somebody you work with, somebody maybe you live with, one of your family members, one of your friends, somebody you go to church with, somebody is going to be influenced by the enemy at a vulnerable moment, and they're coming after you. They're going to attack you, and you're going to think, what in the world? Why? I can't imagine this person. We were best friends. I loved her. I loved him. Why did this happen? Because that's what the enemy does. He finds a dreamer, and he does everything he can do to stop the dream. And you think that person is hating you. The truth is, that demon that has come in that person is attacking you. Because that's who we're fighting. Not your next door neighbor, not your friend, not your parent. We're fighting spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what the Bible tells us. Don't curse that one that's coming after you. Pray for them. That's a good place to say amen. So one day, Jacob sends Joseph on a 60-mile hike. The brothers are gone. They've got the herds. They've been going some time. They should have done been back. So he says, go, go find out what your heathen brothers are up to. Now they know that, that he's already, the Bible tells us that he tells on them. He comes back and he says, they're, not, they're up to no good. He's a tattletale. And you know that makes them hate him even more. So he's going to send. You would think Jacob would see the hatred of his brothers in their eyes and not send Joseph by himself to go to a distant land to try to find, 
find them knowing they know he's a tattletale. So he goes out, and where they're supposed to be, they're not there. Looks around, and this is, I've preached just this one, this one particular, I've preached a message on it. It's an incredible message. I won't get deep into it. This one man finds him. Now, he could have just said they're not here, turned around, and went home. Went back to Dad. They're not there, Dad. I don't know where they are. And then Jacob could have sent a whole legion after him to try to figure out where they are. But it says, just before he was about to turn around and go back home, in Genesis 37, 15, it says, A man found him wandering in the fields, and the man asked, what are you seeking? Ancient Jewish writings, I taught you this before, they believe that this man was the angel Gabriel, that this man was intentionally placed there by God for this particular moment because he said, who are you looking for? Looking for my brothers. Oh, they're not here. They're, he don't know who their brothers are. He don't know who he is. But he says, they're not here. They're over in the next city. You got to go over there and find them. And so that's where he goes. You know, when you go bowling, anybody, ever, anybody not bold? Everybody bold in here? When you go bowling, <clears throat> you have a bowling ball, and, and you have this path. And the purpose is to knock down the pins. If you don't get them all, you get a second chance. You get to roll again. And that's the purpose, is to knock down the pins. But on both sides of the path, there's these gutters. There's these little valleys on both sides of it. Now, you can roll that ball down the path, and it might go a little this way, it might go a little this way, it might go a little this way, but if it makes it on that path and gets to the end, chances are it's going to hit a pin, hopefully all of them. But if it ever gets in that gutter, that's it, you're done. You've just lost that opportunity. It's gone. If it ever gets in that gutter... But, you know, if you're new or if you're young, you know, they have, this, they have these bumpers. And you can go up to the front desk and ask them to put the bumpers in, you know, or if you're older and you just can't roll straight, you know, you want the bumpers, whatever it is. They put the bumpers in, you roll the ball, and it'll hit those bumpers, and that bumper will keep it on the path. You see where I'm going with this? God places bumpers in your life. Well, there was times you were headed a direction, and it might not have been the best direction in your eyes, but in God's eyes, it's the direction you needed to go. You were headed towards your calling, headed towards your purpose, and you're about to go into the gutter. You were about to miss the mark, and God put a bumper up there and tapped you back into place. And that's what this man was. If it was an angel or if it was just a man that God placed there, it was a bumper to get Joseph not to go back home. This was the moment in his life at 17 years old. This was the launch pad of all of the red you see. This was where it all started. This one man. Can you imagine being down in that pit? You, you're cut out of pieces from the rocks, and, and it's a, it'd been a deep pit. It was a dry pit. You're bruised. You're bleeding. You're hurt. And, and you're thinking, man, if I just hadn't have met that guy. I didn't know who he was. Why did I listen to him? I could have just told Dad as some lunatic. I didn't believe him, some crazy guy, or not told him at all and just went on. Why did I listen? 
God would have just placed another bumper. This was intentional. What Joseph had to go through was on purpose. And we don't, and we don't like this part of the calling. But Joseph had to get back to win the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus through God, as Paul says. You know, I know some of you have heard me talk about, and I've, I've up here and, and just in general conversation, but I've had eight back surgeries. If it wasn't for back surgeries, I'd still be a business manager in the car lot. Now, you can say whatever you want to say, whatever your theology is. God would never do this. God would. This is my story. I don't know what your story is. I just know this. I know me. I was full of pride, greedy, and I sure like making a lot of money. But it wasn't my calling. It wasn't what God called me to do. There was something bigger in the picture. And there was a lot of torment along the way to build a place for people to come to hear the gospel, to build a place where Monday nights we can fill this place up with people looking for some other way, something that they can get freedom from, something, a word, somebody that loves them, somebody that truly cares about their life. And I thank God for what I've been through. I wouldn't change it. I mean, I'd like for it to have been a little less stressful, but it's put me here. What has put you where you are? Are you still cursing that same thing that happened to you? Because I'm telling you, you, you can deny it if you want to, but I can back it up with Scripture. God will whoop your hind end to get you back on track. He will. Not because he hates you, because he loves you. I don't whoop my kids because I hate them. I whoop them because I want them to grow up and have good character, to be good citizens, to be Christ followers, because I love them so much. If I didn't love them, I'd let them get away with whatever. That's how God's love is for you. He will put up some bumpers, and sometimes they're painful. They're not those little soft, cushy things you see at the bowling alley. Sometimes they're real painful. Genesis 37, 18 says, They saw him from afar. You know how they saw him? That stinking coat. How else would they have known? How else would they have had time to have this conversation and decide they're going to kill him? They saw him. Who's that? Somebody's coming way off in the distance. Can you tell who it is? I, I can't even see his face. Wait a minute. I, there's that coat. You know who this is? That's your younger brother. That's your younger brother. He ain't my brother. He is your brother. Let's kill him. They said to one another, here comes the dreamer. That makes me mad right now. Because they didn't say, here comes Joseph. Here comes the, they're mocking him. He's not even there. They're just mocking him. Here comes the dreamer. Come now, let's kill him and throw him in one of these pits. We'll say that a fierce animal has devoured him. And we'll see what becomes of his dream. See, Satan hates you so much that he will send these trials with the intention of destroying your dream before your dream ever gets started. 
And if you feel like right now that you're in the process of a God dream, you better get ready. Satan is trying to wake you up from your dream. And sometimes, if you read your Bible, God will let him wake you and shake you. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around just looking for somebody that he can devour. Be mindful. Wake up in the morning. Be mindful of the attacks that are coming against you. If you have a weakness in some area, be mindful of that area. If you have a weakness in addiction, don't have drugs in your house. Don't have alcohol in your house. If you have a weakness of lust, then turn your internet off or put some protection on it or get some accountability with a man or a woman, whoever you are that's having that problem. Solve the problem before the problem comes after you. If you have a spending problem, get rid of your cards. Give them to somebody else. Cut them up. Whatever you have to do. Make a plan now. Because the enemy's coming after you. Because I promise you, when you say, I'm not spending anymore, you know what's coming on TV tomorrow. Half price, buddy. I mean, how can you not? It's half price. That thing you've been wanting all this time, boom, it just popped up on Facebook. $300, and you get it right there for $49. You're like, well, this is God. Eh. Because you probably got two of them sitting in the garage now. I just, I'm not saying that, Lord. I got a really nice double miter bevel saw on a stand. Really nice one. <laughs> but I happened to be in Lowe's about two months ago. They had a DeWalt. Same thing, but it was a DeWalt. And it was sitting over in the corner away from all the other saws. And you know how they do when they repackage stuff? They, they want to get rid of this one. That same saw was $400. And I looked on there, and it said it was from $400 down to $299 down to $169. And I, how could I not buy it? I bought it. Came home, told Josh, and he, he went and bought the other one. There was only two. So now I got I got a saw that's incredible. does the same thing my other one did. I was hoping there'd be some type of magic extra thing, like I could just sit back and it cut it itself or something, you know, AI, whatever. $169. Sorry, honey. We got a budget. Oh, I got to buy this. It's temptation. Just something to kind of get you off path. Here's the thing. If the devil can keep you in debt... What can you not do in the future? What business was you supposed to start? What seed was you supposed to sow? Who was you supposed to help financially? But if he can keep you in debt, you can't help anybody. You can't start nothing. You can't do nothing. You can just live in this constant state of regret. If I just hadn't bought that salt, if I hadn't bought that purse, if I hadn't bought those shoes, if I hadn't bought this or that, and we really, all we needed was a $10,000 car, and we bought a $25,000 car. I don't mean to step on your toes, but come on. So the brothers, let's move on. I don't like telling them myself. The brothers, <clears throat> without reading all the scriptures, let me just give you this progression. 
They were jealous. They were envious. Then spiteful, hateful, vindictive, slanderous, gossipers, and finally, they were murderers turned slave traders. That's remarkable. They hated him, and now they're murderers. When you allow any negative emotion to go unchecked, it will not lie dormant. It will never just stay at the same level that you left it at. It will grow like mold on a piece of bread. If you don't throw it away, every day you open your cabinet, it's not going to get better. It's going to have more mold and more mold, and eventually it's going to break out. It's going to be all over your cabinet, and then you've got to sell your house. Proverbs 17, says, A joyful heart is good medicine. We like that part. But a crushed spirit dries up bones. The message translation says, Runaway emotions corrode your bones. Runaway emotions. They got mad at Joseph. And the mad just, it built. They didn't deal with it. They didn't go to dad. They didn't say, you know, dad, this, I'm not sure this is fair. And maybe dad could have said, listen, guys, I know I'm not being fair. But you know how much I've loved Rachel. She's just, she, I just love her my whole life. You know how I was tricked into your, marrying your mom. And, and, I, and she, I'm taking care of her, you know. But I'm an old man. And suddenly I have this kid. And he's a pretty good kid. I know I'm unfair. But and maybe they could have said, you know what? You're right. We're, well, I mean, we got it pretty good. But they never had that conversation. They never checked that emotion. They just let it build. They just let it grow. And it turned into murder. My goodness. Fortunately, at the end, they sold him to slave traders. I'm not sure that was better, but fortunately for all of uh, humanity, that's what they did. Isaiah 26 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. So now we see the differences in when we let our emotions run away from us and when we keep our mind on the Lord. And this is probably the one thing that I try to tell people when I'm not up here. We're just out and people confide in me and this is what's going on and that's what's going on. And I try to tell them, you've got to find that emotion that is in your mind and you have to get a replacement. Paul says, take captivity, those thoughts that come against the kingdom of God. You've got to take that thought and make yourself, force yourself to stop thinking that thought. If you're intentional about it, it can be done. But don't just, don't just get your mind off of it. Well, I, I just can't believe she did this to me. I, she's so hurtful. Why would she do this? Well, I just won't think about it no more. That don't work. You've got to replace it with something. Lord, help me be a better person. Lord, uh, change my heart. Search me, oh Lord. What is in me that causes her to treat me this way? I'm doing something wrong. Change me, Lord. We replace it. Lord, I'm not good enough. That's a big one. And around here, I hear it all the time. I could never do this. It's too late for me. I'm not good enough. I can't, I can't, and I can't. But when you get in a habit of replacing that thought with what God tells you about you, 
that you're more, you're not just a conqueror. God says you're more than a conqueror. You can't just overcome. You can overcome and help everybody else overcome. That's his promise to you. But if you keep dwelling on I can't, I'm not good enough, I can't believe what I did in my past, you dwell on that, you'll go to the grave and regret. Right now there are people who are serving the kingdom of God. They are snatching people out of hell who have done ten times worse than any of us in here has ever done. Because they changed the thought of yesterday and they replaced it with God's, what God said. You can do what you can be. And they just believe it. I just believe that we can truly be an incredible body of Christ right here. I just believe that we can reach western Kentucky with the salvation gospel of Jesus Christ. That we can see the actual the statistics of Maggie, you with me, we can see the statistics of addiction go down right here at Cross Point Church. Somebody say amen. I just believe it. I don't care if you think I'm crazy. Well, they've tried it. They've tried it. I don't care because I'm not doing it. God is. That's my belief. That's my faith. That's my conviction. I go to bed thinking about what God's doing. I wake up in the morning thinking about what God's doing. I'm not saying I'm not ornery sometime, a jerk, mean, hateful, mad. I got all the stuff you got and more. But I promise you, I replace it. I don't dwell on it. I, don't, I might get kicked every now and then. I just get up and roll on. I, I'm just, I ain't got time to fool with who some, what somebody said, what somebody's done. I, I don't care about none of that stuff. I'm building the kingdom here. Trying to see people's lives get changed. People hurt. They just want somebody that'll love them, somebody that won't quit. You know what I'm saying? Wouldn't you, at your worst, wouldn't you like to have just met somebody, some church, some organization that just said, we're just not going to quit on you. Not going to quit on you. Wouldn't that be incredible? That's what we're trying to do here. My God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So, here he is lying in this pit. We had not got very far. We're just in the pit. <clears throat> now, I'll tell you what he was doing in the pit because it doesn't tell us right there. It tells us later. Most of you know the story. So, when, when the brothers are standing in front of Joseph, when Joseph is now the ruler of the nation, second in charge, they're talking in their Hebrew language because they don't think Joseph can understand them. And here's what they're saying, because Joseph is coming down pretty hard on them. They think they're fixing to lose their life. It says, we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. They said, we threw him in the pit. That's the last time they saw him. They threw him in the pit, then they sold him into slavery. They hadn't seen him again since then. This is what they're talking about right here. They're saying... We saw he was so distressed. He was begging us. We deserve everything that is coming against us. Begging him not to die. And it makes me think of Joseph in that pit. You know he's got to be thinking, God, I thought you gave me a dream. You promised me I'm in this pit. I can't get out of this pit. You heard him. I can hear him up there. They've got my coat. They're dipping. I just heard him kill the goat. They dip it in goat's blood. They're going to tell mom and dad that I'm dead. Nobody will come looking for me. Why are you doing this, God? And then he hears Reuben, Simeon. He hears them talking. Judah. What's, hey, let's don't kill him. Let's sell him. We can at least get a little money out of this situation. So they sold him. 
for a slave's wage, 20 pieces of silver. Of course, we know that later when Jesus was sold, it was 30 pieces. 20 pieces they sold him. Psalm 103, it's one of my favorite scriptures. You ever sometimes just need a scripture? I'm like, read the Bible, read the Bible. Here's you a good scripture. If you're not sure where to go, where to start, read Psalm 103. But, but, but read it in your spirit. Don't just open up and read it and go, okay, I didn't really get it. But take your time. Read it. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That word bless there means praise. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And I love the progression of this because it says, it says, when I go to the Lord, when I praise the Lord, I'm, I'm in a pit right now, when I praise Him, it says He forgives my iniquity. When I praise Him, He says He heals my disease. When I praise him, it says he heals, he redeems me from the pit. When? When I praise the Lord. When I keep my integrity. When I continue to trust him in spite of the hard time. When I praise him in spite of my pain. When I praise him in spite of the gossip. The lies, when I keep on praising him, in spite of what my kids done, in spite of what my dad did, I keep praising him. And he says, if you keep praising the Lord, oh, bless his holy name, he will redeem you from the pit. Glory to God. I feel that old country Pentecost coming out of me. Y'all better hang on. And... <clears throat> And so it says, the Lord was with Joseph. And I've cut about six pages of this, this point right here. So I'll preach this whole point another time. Because all throughout the Bible, we see where it says, hey, do this on your own. This will be a good study for you. Just look it up. The Lord was with. Just look that up. And then see who the Lord was with. And study that person. And see what happens when the Lord was with that particular person. So the Lord was with Joseph. That's what the Bible tells us. I mean, here he is, a slave. But the Lord was with him. And he says he became a successful man in the house of the Egyptian master. A slave. Successful. In bondage. Successful. Far removed from the dream. Successful. Because the Lord was with him. And the Lord says, I don't care where you're at. If you won't, I'll go with you. I'll just make you successful where you are. I mean, he's a slave in this household. And if you continue reading this, the captain says, I'm just going to put you in charge of my whole house. All my employees, all the other slaves. I'm going to put you in charge of everybody in my house. The only thing I want to worry about is what am I going to eat for supper. That's what the Bible says. He don't have to uh, worry about the bills. Joseph takes care of it. He don't have to worry about who's going to take care of the sheep. Joseph gets somebody in charge. He don't have to take care of who's scheduling the hours for the day, who's bringing in third shift. Joseph does it all. And he's success. I mean, you, it's obvious this kid knows his stuff. He knows what to do. How did he know what to do? 
Because way, way, way back when, Jacob, who was a very intelligent person, taught him while his brothers were out, tending to the flock, getting blisters on their hand. Joseph was wearing this nice coat, sitting in an office behind the desk in the air condition. And Jacob was saying, okay, now this is what you do. This is how you handle this. Here's conflict resolution. This is how you budget. Here's intake. Here's outtake. Here's... And he's teaching him how to run a business. He's teaching him how to deal with employees. He's teaching him everything from a young kid all the way up until this happens at 17 years old. Joseph knows what to do. I can run a household. I ran my household. Dad showed me. And so he's got all this favor. He's been taught how to do this. But then he gets accused of rape. Now, here's this godly man who refuses in any situation he's been in to turn his back on the Lord. It's obvious the Lord is with him. He comes in this household. Everything's working out for him. And God has allowed the spirit of lust to come into the captain's wife. Why? I think I know why. Because I think, I think Joseph had it pretty good. I mean, think about it. If you'd been thrown into a pit... You were a slave. You walked in a line of men that were chained up. You had to walk in and be humiliated, walk on the auction block, and then you're sold. And now suddenly you've got fine clothes on. You eat some of the best food there is available. You're in charge not only of the other slaves, but you're in charge of the Egyptians that work here, the employees, and you're a slave. Joseph had it pretty good. I mean, you think about it. Joseph, he could have lived here for the rest of his life. Had the favor, always ate well. He could have went to the movies whenever he wanted to. He could have went out to eat, got him a little Egyptian wife. Well, not Egyptian because he was a slave. They'd have got him a Hebrew wife. He could have done whatever, pretty much, and just lived a normal life. Well, he's still in bondage. He's still got, he's got a title. He's got an identity situation. It doesn't line up with the promise. He was, he was told he was supposed to be this great leader and that title doesn't line up with his present title. Doesn't line up with who he is right now. So he's got it pretty good. And he lives here for quite some time. But I, I just got to imagine that that dream keeps going through his mind. It never escapes him. And I think God allowed another bumper. Now, he kept his integrity. And, and you heard what I was saying to Isaac earlier. Here's the, here's the real truth. If the captain actually believed his wife, Joseph's head would have left his body before nightfall. That would have been it for Joseph. He would have killed him if he truly thought that was true. But he could not at least show some sign of belief in his wife, so he put him in prison. 
the king's prison, the worst prison. So he goes to this prison, and the Bible says the Lord was with him. And the prison guard puts him in charge of the prison. He keeps getting attacked, but he keeps getting favor. Just over and over and over, he gets, keeps getting attacked. You ever notice uh, in basketball, when you see the defense coach take a couple players, and he says, all right, I want you two to guard this one person, this one guy, guard him. Anytime they've got the ball, you guard this. Why would he sacrifice an extra person for this one person? Why? Anybody know? Because they know. I know you know. It's not a trick question. If this guy gets the ball, he's going to shoot. And if he shoots, he's going to score. So we're going to double team him and let one of these other guys, hopefully they're going to shoot, but hopefully they won't score because this guy, without question, this guy will score. Let's double team him. And that's what's happening to you. Because God knows you ever get the ball, you ever get the chance, you ever get out of this hell that you're in, you are going to score. You're going after it. And that's why you're being double teamed. That's why the enemy is coming after you. He don't care what you did yesterday. don't really care what you're doing right now. He's concerned with your calling. He's concerned with your purpose. He's concerned that you'll watch an old Catherine Kuhlman video when she says, I'm not really special. I just was willing to pay the price. When you read about Joseph, and Joseph says, I'm not really special. I was just willing to pay the price, and I got the favor of God. You ever start believing that, and nothing will stop you. I remember one time, I was running cross country. And it was in Crittenden County. And I was okay at cross country. I did pretty good. And I was ahead of everybody. And I was coming up on, on, on the last, last little area. There was probably about maybe 400 yards, but it was kind of behind the school, and the finish line was in front of the school. And I was just about to lap these two guys. I'll never forget it. And I saw them looking over the shoulder. I knew what they was going to do. So I'm trucking along pretty good, and they kind of split, so I would have a path to go between them. And right before I got there, they got together like this. It made me so mad. You ever you remember things like this was high school, and I still remember the. I'm getting mad right now. I remember the emotions, and I remember running, and I went boom, and all I saw was two boys flying. Now I'm not condoning violence when it comes to sports. But the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. If he's coming after you, you better be ready to push him out of your way so you can win your race. My God, thank you, Jesus. Something is going to stand in your way. Something is going to try to prevent you from fulfilling the calling that God has on your life. Don't lie to me and tell me you don't have a dream. There is something inside of you that God has called you to. It is remarkable, and you're still thinking it'll never happen for me. Push it out of your way and run your race. Joseph had this dream. And there's no doubt in the dream. It made him feel special. It made him really, he, he knew this was, this was a God thing. 
but he had to go through all this torment. But it built his character. Gave him perseverance. Joseph hadn't went through any, any of that right there, he would have never stuck to the plan. When you've not been any, through anything, the least little thing, I'm done. I quit. Some of you, some of you in here have been through so much. You've been beat up, hit, knocked around, and you're still digging, still fighting, still trying, still keeping on. And that's what God's looking for right now. That's who he's looking for, somebody he can truly and fully support, somebody he can trust with the task. Because whatever is taking place in the very near future, whatever's taking place in the next 10 years, there is an incredible movement of the Spirit of God over the world, over the United States, over Western Kentucky, somebody say amen, over Muhlenberg County. But when the enemy sees you, when he sees that favor, he will come after you. That's not to scare you. I don't let him come. I don't care. I'm not afraid of Satan because I have the Spirit of the Lord living inside of me, but I'm also not stupid. My wife said this morning, don't be stupid. The Bible literally tells us they are stupid. That's what the psalmist says. I don't remember the, the, uh, the actual chapter. They are stupid who don't believe that God is the most high. They're stupid. I don't want to be stupid. I'm not stupid. Are you stupid? I'm not stupid. God is the most high. He may come against me. God may allow some of it. I need smacking around every now and then. You do too. Now, husbands, don't smack your wife around because I said that. Wives, don't smack your husband around. Let God do that. I mean, Joseph, at the end of this 13 years, he literally is in the worst prison imaginable. And they come and they get him. They pull him out. I mean, it's a prison been built in a cave underground. They say, hey, the king says you can interpret a dream. Somebody told him he needs you. Yeah. All right, well, we got to get you cleaned up. They go shave his head, shave his body. They clean him up real good. They anoint him, put the finest clothes on. He's going before the king. The fine clothes on him. He goes before the king. The king says, here's the dream. He interprets it. <laughs> and the king says, well, there's nobody else who the Spirit of God is in more than this man. Because Joseph doesn't only tell him what the dream is, he tells him how to deal with it. Here's how to fix the problem. Nobody has to die, and you'll be the wealthiest man on the planet. Here's what we'll do. And can you, I mean, one day you're in the pit of hell prison, and the next day the king of, the king of Egypt, the largest most powerful nation on the earth at that time. It says, hey, somebody bring me my signet ring. Somebody bring me a robe. Put it on him. Every one of you in here, from this moment forward, you will bow down to him. 
Besides me, there's no other more powerful person in this nation. And soon enough, after seven years, the drought came, and his brothers came, and they all bowed down before Joseph. I don't know what your dream is. I know what mine is. And I know it's been a lot of hell. It's been a lot of torment. I'm just going to stick to the plan. Amen. Let's stick to the plan. Because it'll go away. God will take care of it. God will fix it. He'll make you stronger, make you better, make you wiser, make you richer. Whatever it is you need in your life, God will make you more than you are right now. More than a conqueror. Stick to the plan. I don't want to have to go back. I don't. I have no interest in going back and starting over. Thanks for watching today's broadcast. If you were encouraged today or made a decision for Christ, let us know by visiting our website. You're going to face people that, that, that the enemy is going to use to persecute you. Somebody you work with, somebody maybe you live with, one of your family members, one of your friends, somebody you go to church with. Somebody is going to be influenced by the enemy at a vulnerable moment, and they're coming after you. They're going to attack you, and you're going to think, what in the world? Why? I can't imagine this person. We were best friends. I loved her. I loved him. Why did this happen?